Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. I would like you to turn with me to the 100th Psalm. Uh, the preachers usually say the 100th division of the Psalm. And it's because we believe that the Psalm has five divisions. And each division corresponds with the five books of the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses. And so the hundred division of the psalm is very important because it climaxes one category of psalm that we call the royal psalms, where God is worshipped and enthroned in his glory and in the hearts of the believer. And so today, we're going to look at this psalm, a well-known psalm. And we have discovered that the psalms are, you know, really very loved by both Jews and Protestants and Catholics. And uh, people love the psalms. And uh, today we're going to look at this one. Psalm 100. It begins by saying, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pastor enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts we praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generation. Father, we ask you now that we have come to be inspired by your word, to be uplifted. We pray, O oh God, that a word will be said today that will lift our spirit above the gloom and the sadness that death has created and illness, O oh Lord, has caused in our lives. Bless us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Psalm 100 is a song of praise and thanksgiving. It is a praise and thanksgiving for the Lord's unfailing faithfulness to his people. And so the, the inscription or the title of the psalm is a, a, a song of praise. Psalm of Thanksgiving, and there is not one single doleful or mournful note in the psalm. God is praised from the beginning to the end, and all the earth is called upon to join in worship, in praise, in adoration, and in thanksgiving. To the God who has made us 
in his image. And so God is, is praised from the beginning to the end. And all the earth is called, called up to join in blessing and in thanksgiving. And so it has been suggested that this psalm was probably written to be, to be a very happy chant that was sung in the procession when the Jews marched into the synagogue for their festivals. And so today, I want to share a few things with you from the psalm. And uh, we're going to concentrate on two verses. Verse 4 and verse 5. It says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into its, his courts with praise. Then it says, Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then you have to pause here and then you have to ask a question. Now, I want to suggest to you that anything that you do in life, you must have a reason for it. And don't create a reason. Find a reason, the right reason for doing what you do. So those of you who worship God, why do you worship him? Those of you who are gathered here today to keep the Sabbath day holy, why do you do that? When you could have gone to earn some money by uh, using your machine and somebody else's farm, as was said here today in the story by, by Sister Brooks. Why? Now, here the Bible says, you must enter into its course with thanksgiving, uh, and, uh, into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Then it says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? There are three reasons why. How many reasons? Three. All right. Let's look at all three reasons. He says first, for the Lord is what? Good. So when you praise God and you give him thanks, you are doing so because the Lord is good. Now, is it that he's good to somebody over here or good to somebody over here or good to somebody over here? Can you say that the Lord is good to me? That's right. The Lord is good to me. Yes. So here it says that we are going to be thankful unto him, first of all, for the Lord is what? Good. Now, goodness describes an intricate part of God's character. And uh, it, this, this goodness is exercised to all his creatures 
according to their circumstances and according to their relations. In other words, God has what he called general goodness. But there are also specific goodness that are tailored to our specific needs. And I'm very happy for that. Because, you know, uh, for those of us who are involved in counseling, one of the things that we learn in school is that when people come to you with their concerns that they want to talk about, don't reach to the shelf and draw off a can and give it to them. So you call that the canned goods counseling. So you prescribe the same medication for all illnesses. So we can't do that. So what we have to do, we have to sit down. We have to listen. We have to analyze. And then after we have done all of that, sometimes we discover that we don't even need to prescribe anything. But you know God... He, what this is implying here is that you are personal to God. And that when he is looking at you, he is looking at your specific and personal needs. So here goodness is a part of God's character that leads him to offer you just what you need. God's goodness is viewed generally as benevolence, mercy, pity, compassion, long-suffering, and patience. God's goodness compels him to offer his grace towards us. So, because God is good, then spontaneously he meets our needs because goodness here propels him to do that. God is not sometime good. And sometime merciful. But he is eternally infinitely good and merciful. God is infinitely and unchangeably good. And his goodness is unfathomable by the human mind. You know, sometimes in my own experience, and I see things happen to me, I have to ask God, God, why are you so good to me? Have you ever asked God that? Yes. Why are you so good to me? But you know, God is good to us despite who we are. God is good to us because he is God and goodness is a genuine part of a response to the human being. So, our Jehovah God is good and gracious, not only as our Savior, but also as our friend, also as our Redeemer, and He gives us power. The Bible says that He gives power to those that are faint. And those who are weak. So God is in himself the epitome of goodness. And so the goodness of God 
ought to be one of the strongest barriers that we can raise against Satan and sin. In other words, when you examine the goodness of God in your life and the devil is dragging you in the opposite direction, you can look the devil in his face and say, I am not going to follow you because God is too good to me. God is too good to me. And so the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. What should it do, church? The goodness of God should what? Lead us to what? Repentance. And you know why? We need repentance because we have sinned against God. Oh, yes. And our situation is pitiful. But then God leads us. Then the goodness of God should lead us to do good to others. If God has been good to you, what is your obligation? Your obligation is to be good to others. So that as the goodness of God flows to you, you become a conduit through which the goodness of God flows to those who are in need. Now, if you, if you, block, if you block the conduit and, ex, and, 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 and allow everything to just flow in and, just, and, and stay one place, then you're going to become stagnant. So we must use the goodness of God to help others. The goodness of God to us in this world should inspire us with confidence in his power to prepare us for the world to come. The goodness of God may be thought of as an infinite fountain ever flowing freely from the mercies of God's eternal stream and from his eternal truth and from his eternal righteousness into our own lives daily. By this we are refreshed. Oh yes, when the goodness of God like streams of mercy flows in our being, we are refreshed. We are revived. We are rejuvenated. We are revitalized. Oh yes, and we are restored to holiness. And so, we Rejoice and give thanks to God today because he is good. And God is the only being who truly knows how to be good. And the interesting thing is that sometimes when we are good to people, we do that because we want them to be good to us. Am I right? And we are good to people because we want to influence them to give us things. Huh? Oh, yes. We do that. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, God is good to us even or despite our badness. Yes. And so, I want to encourage you today to be thankful unto him. Because God is a good God. Even the, the fact that we are here today and we are alive, 
God is good. God is good. Now, the second reason here, it says, for the Lord is good. What is the second reason? His mercy is everlasting. What is everlasting? His mercy. So this is the second reason why God should be praised and he should be adored. His mercy is everlasting. God's mercy is his tenderheartedness. God's mercy is his love and compassion for people. It is his tenderness of heart towards the needy. If grace is, if grace is God's special gift to the sinful, if grace is God's special gift to the guilty one who is condemned, then mercy sees the miserableness of the needy and comes to rescue the needy. So we are, we are here today only because of God's mercy. Now, what is mercy? First of all, mercy, God's mercy is divine kindness. What is it? Divine kindness. God's mercy is divine kindness that is exercised towards the miserable and includes, it includes pity for the needy and compassion for the sick and for forbearance oh, for the guilty. Oh yes, and it is God's gentleness which the scripture Describes as love. Love of God. Now. If a being of mere justice. May be feared. Or he may, may be feared. Or he may be re respected. Because he is a symbol of justice. And uh, you know. I remember when I was a little boy, I used to be afraid of the police. I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah, I'm not afraid of the police anymore. I'm only fearful. <laughs> but I'm not afraid. But God has a, a, a side of him are a part of his character that is called justice. Justice. And uh, if a being has just justice, yes, he may be feared and he may be respected. But that character of mere justice would be an object of dread. Mere justice. There are other attributes. Other than justice. To God. Although this is highly important. And valuable. It is necessary. Justice. 
a person, in order to find happiness and security, must find some other attribute in God rather than mere justice. If all there is to God is that he's a just God, then he cannot adequately satisfy the human being. Although justice is important. We are sinners and we need pardon. What the sinner needs? Pardon. We are sufferers and we need compassion. What do we need? Compassion. We are born to die and so we need support and consolation. So as we travel through the valley and the veil of sin, we are tossed and turned by many trials and tribulation. We are bent. We are battered. We are bruised. And sometimes we are broken. We need more than justice. Sometimes we fall and we fail. We need more than justice. But you know, what I see here in this text is that although God is a God of justice, we also know that the sinner needs pardon. Pardon is desirable and mercy is proper. Therefore, this gives us reason to have unshakable joy. For we know that God is not just a mere being of justice. But that there is mingled in his character. In his attribute mercy and kindness. Without this there would be no hope for the sinner. So I'm glad today that God is a God of mercy. Amen. Mercy. This gives us a ground for praise and thanksgiving. And it gives us, oh yes, added reasons to praise God. Not only is he says here that God has mercy, but he says that his mercy is everlasting. That means it doesn't run out. It doesn't run out and it doesn't matter where, oh, oh I fall and I fail. As long as it is in me to come back to God, his mercy is there. Yes. It's the fruit. It's the result of extending our lives to him. And giving him authority over us. And so, we praise God because his mercy is everlasting. Then we, 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 we come to the third one. It says that he is good. His mercy is everlasting. And what is the next one? He says that is what? Is truth what? Endure it to what? All right. How, how long is that? His truth endured to all generations. How wide is that? His truth endured to all generations. How high is that? 
Oh, I tell you today, my friend, I'm glad that God is a God of absolute truth. Amen. You know, we're living in an age of what they call relativity. Relativity. Where anything goes, there is nothing that is absolute. And so, they say that it doesn't matter if all of us here have our own truth. So you can have your own truth, and you have your own truth, and I have your own truth. All you need to do, don't bump into me with my truth. And so, this leads to what we call severe promiscuity. Because there is no, there is no standard. There is no real standard. As long as it's good for you, it's okay. As long as you feel good about it, don't worry about the others. It's okay. But here the Bible says that God's truth, yeah, is endure forever. There's a great preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon, and this is what he says. He says, a changeless God, or no, a changeable God, right? A changeable God would be a terror to the righteous. They would have no sure anchorage. And amid a changing world, they would be driven to and fro in perpetual fear of shipwreck. God's truth endures to all generations. That is to say, you will not find in God one thing today and another thing tomorrow. What he promises, he will perform. Every word of his, of his, of his mouth, you can depend on it because it lasts forever. And so, like himself, his word is immutable. And one of the characteristics of God is, is immutability. Meaning that he cannot change. He doesn't lie. Oh, whatever God says today, he says it tomorrow. And that is why we can trust him. That's why we can believe in him. And what he says he's going to do, he's going to do it. And Sister Barrett, he says that the dead in Christ shall rise first and it's going to happen. Oh yes, and once you suffer the loss of a loved one who knows the Lord and lives for the Lord, there is no doubt that that person is going to live again. Amen. And so, every truth that we learn about God results in a new reason for praise and adoration. May God help us that we will never reach the place where we fail to be amazed by the person of God. Because everything we do, everything we are, everything in our life rises or falls on our perception of who God is. And so who is God to you? My God is I can go to bed and sleep and depend on him because he will be there for me. In life or in death. And let me tell you something. Life doesn't seem fear sometimes. 
And there are some things that we go through in life that we would say that we don't deserve it. But you know something? Trust God. Trust God. Because God knows what he's doing. You know, a man was a preacher, you know. He was a preacher too. And he lost his wife in a very tragic accident. And for days, he was very depressed. And one day, he was so depressed, he was so broken, that he couldn't even take a bath. He never even changed his clothes. And one day, he, he, you know, he felt a little better. So he put on his clothes and he walked outside. And as he was passing a corner street, he saw some people, some workmen, build, putting up a building. And there was a man that bent down over a piece of marble. And he was chiseling away at the marble. Chiseling away at the marble. Reshaping it. Hammering it. And fixing it in a way for it to be well shaped and well worthy. And so the preacher stood by the man and asked, Why, What are you doing with that underground? Why are you chiseling it? Why are you hammering it? And then the, the man said to the preacher, You know, this has to go to a very special place. And then he raised his head and looked at the castle that they were building in here. He said, you see that apex up there? This stone here, this marble stone that I am chiseling and hammering and making it into a special shape. It has to, it, it has to fit up there. But before I can put it up there to fit up there... I must get it ready down here. And the preacher walked away. And he thought on that for a while. And he said to himself. God said in his word. That I am gone to prepare a place for me. That's what he said. And. If he's gone to prepare a place for me. He will come again and receive me unto myself. That where I am there he may be also. And he said. Oh. God is fixing me down here. So that I will be ready. To fit in his master plan. Up there. And the man just snapped out of his depression. And he went back. To being the person. That he used to be. Oh my friend I want to invite you today. Invite me, invite you today to understand that God works differently from human beings. And we don't understand the way God works. But if you take him at his word, if you live by his truth, you will at last find out plan that God has for you. And so it is imperative 
that we never forget who we are serving. It says in the beginning of the passage, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Don't forget who you are serving. We are the servants of the living God. It does not get any better than this. We are the children of the living God. Let us then learn all we can about him and rejoice in all that we have learned about him. Ellen White says here, she says, as we give thanks today, she says, nothing tends more to promote health of body and a soul than does a spirit of gratitude and praise. It is a positive duty to resist melancholy, to resist discontentment of thought and feelings as much as a duty it is to pray. If we are heaven bound, how can we go as a band of mourners groaning and complaining all along the way to the father's house that is a happy place? And she says finally, Forgetting our own difficulties and troubles. Let us praise God for an opportunity to live for the glory of his name. Let us let, let, the, the, let the fresh blessing. What is the church? Let the fresh blessings of every day awaken praise in our heart for these tokens. Love and care that God has extended to us. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. As long as you're a child of God, there is always something to thank God for. And so I say to you today, I say to you today, Make sure that the way you live, the way you practice your belief, will always, always be according to the standard of God's word. As I close today, I want to encourage you, one and all, Never doubt God. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Today I want to pray for somebody. And we're not going to be asking Sister Faith. We're not going to be asking Sister Faith to play the piano. And we're not going to sing. This is not uh, really an emotional thing. 
if you feel today that you're really thankful to God and you want to rededicate yourself to him in his service, to continue being faithful to him, just come up here and let us pray. If you want your life to be an offering of thanksgiving to God today, just come right up here. We won't say. You want your life to be an offering of thanksgiving to God. After sin, we were in a serious predicament. And then we realized what was happening. We petitioned God and he came through for us. And he has pardoned us. And today, our life becomes an offering of thanksgiving to God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father our God and our Savior. We want to thank you today for putting life in our being. Lord, we want to thank you for keeping us alive. We want to thank you, Father, for providing for our needs. There were some days when we were low. There were some days when things were not working well. And even now, oh God, there are moments of distress and pain in our lives. But dear God, we want to offer you ourselves today, our body, our mind, our being. Take us, oh God. Oh Lord, we don't want just to give you things. We want to give you our hearts, Amen. our old being. All to Jesus we surrender today. Take us, O oh God, as we are. We ask you now that you will continue to inspire hope in us. For you are a good God. You are faithful to your word. You will keep what you say. And the devil will not have the last say. Amen. He will not have the benediction. You will pronounce the blessing and we will be safe Amen. in your circle. Thank you, Jesus. Take this offering as we place it on the altar of sacrifice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.